Feel Goodery is recorded in front of a live studio dog who just finished his lunch, filled with protein, he is satiated, he is excited, he is sleepy and a little gassy, but he's ready to go. As always, this is recorded in front of Sam. Hey, my friend, I hope you're having a wonderful day so far. I hope you are being good to yourself first and foremost. I have been getting a lot of questions lately about protein and just kind of being asked to address it, what my views are. So in today's Feel Goodery Short, if you are in need of a brief but informative overview, we're talking protein today. And this is also an important one to share with someone who might find this episode useful, but doesn't like listening to long, drawn-out episodes, which I have been known to do, but not today. We're getting right in. We are talking protein. And because it is so common to underconsume protein, I see it in practice, my colleagues see it in practice, it can affect everything from your energy to your cravings to your hair and more. So we're getting into it. We're talking protein. Thinking caps on. Here we go. Over the years, we have been scared of fat, especially in the 80s, and then when keto became popular the past, you know, 10 years or so, we have been scared of carbs, but protein has sort of always been there. It's neither here nor there. It hasn't been feared, but it also hasn't been embraced as much as it should be, and if there's one thing I know to be true, again, like I said, based on what I see in practice, is that most of us are not consuming enough protein, and this can have a detrimental effect on our health. Now, a common misconception is that when you increase your protein intake, you're going to get bulky and people are scared of that. And that really couldn't be further from the truth. Granted, you can use it as a tool with uh, an increased caloric diet if you do want to get bulky with heavy weights and things like that. But eating more protein alone will not make you bulky. Here's why protein is vital. Protein is the, the building block of life. It plays a crucial part in almost every aspect. So protein is made up of amino acids, which build us from the ground up. And besides supporting muscle growth, which is what we think of in muscle repair, we need amino acids for enzyme production. A lot of enzymes crucial for digestion, metabolism, and, and other biochemical processes in our body are protein-based. Immune system support. Antibodies, which are integral to our immune system, are made up of proteins. Hormone regulation. Protein plays a role in the synthesis of and regulation of hormones influencing so many aspects of our health. And of course, like I said, we have tissue repair and maintenance, including skin, hair, nails. Protein is essential for the repair and the maintenance of our, our skin, our hair, our nails, and of course, our muscles. So what happens when we don't get enough protein? A couple things. Well, a lot of things, but I'm going to highlight a few. Muscle loss and weakness. This, of course, makes sense. You know, inadequate protein intake can lead to muscle wasting, weakness, and, of course, impaired physical performance. And this is especially important, and I want to note this, as we get older. And if or, and or if we have senior parents, you know, sarcopenia, which is the gradual loss of muscle mass as we age, is very rampant, and a lot of seniors do not consume enough protein. Uh, it's I always look at protein intake with seniors and B12. Those are two big things, especially when it comes to cognitive function and brain health. B12 is often uh, not uh, not addressed enough. Another factor that can happen without enough protein is impaired immune function. You know, I mentioned it's in, integral for our immune system and antibody production. Insufficient protein can compromise the immune system's ability to defend itself against infections. Poor wound healing. This is one we think of, or might not think of, I should say. Protein is essential for tissue repair, and low levels of protein can hinder the body's ability to 
heal wounds. Another factor with that, in addition to getting enough protein, is getting enough zinc in the diet. Poor wound healing can also be indicative of a zinc deficiency. Hair and nail issues. Uh, Protein deficiency can manifest in hair loss and thinning and brittle nails. Increased cravings is another very interesting one. Out of all the macros, carbs, fats, proteins, protein is the most satiating and under-consuming protein at mealtime can negatively impact your, your blood sugar, which can result in increased cravings later on. So I always say if you do deal with cravings a lot, check your protein intake. And the last one, of course, is low energy. So a major shift that can make a a really ripple fundamental effect on your overall health is increasing the protein content of your day. All right, so the big question, how much protein should we get? I wanna talk about the RDA uh, versus reality. And the RDA stands for recommended daily allowance because typically when I tell people how much protein I recommend, which I'll share in a second, they're surprised because of the RDA. Uh, And the current uh, RDA is 0.8 grams per kilograms. And I personally always get annoyed when people work with kilograms because we always talk about our weight in pounds. So I like working with pounds. So the RDA converts to roughly 0.36 grams per pound. However, recent research suggests that that number is too low and should be adjusted to one gram per kilogram or 0.45 grams per pound. But regardless, it's really important to point out that the RDA represents the minimum protein required to prevent malnutrition. It does not represent optimal protein intake for optimal health or performance. So those numbers in the research and in what I recommend are higher. So here is what I recommend when it comes to protein. 0.6 grams to one gram of protein per pound of body weight per day. If you are really sedentary, you can aim for the lower end of that. But if you are somewhat active, I would aim for a ballpark between 0.8 grams per pound to that one gram per pound. So for example, a 150 pound person, if we're looking at that range, would typically try to get 90 to 150 grams of protein per day. If that person is active or looking to support muscle maintenance or muscle growth, I would aim for the higher end on those days. So 120 to 150 grams of protein per day. When you take this into consideration and you get more protein, you get adequate protein, you support everything. You support your muscles, your skin, your brain, your hormones, your immune system, and more. Now, in terms of protein sources, I'm going to quickly overview animal-based versus plant-based. Animal-based sources of protein, like chicken, turkey, grass-fed beef, venison, eggs, fish, Greek yogurt, dairy, whey protein, typically contain all the essential amino acids, which are the building blocks of proteins that our bodies can't make on their own. And because they contain all essential amino acids, animal sources of protein are often referred to as complete proteins. On the other hand, plant-based sources of protein, like beans, lentils, nuts, seeds, whole grain, may lack one or more of the essential amino acids, making them, quote-unquote, incomplete protein. But there's an easy workaround that, you know, we have evolutionary figured out by combining different plant-based protein sources throughout the day, example, having beans with rice, you can ensure that you're getting all the essential amino acids your body needs. So while animal-based sources provide a complete protein more readily, plant-based sources can also meet your protein needs with a varied diet. But whichever route you go, you just want to ensure you're getting enough protein. And of course, you know, when it comes to getting those complete proteins, it is easier to do with animal-based sources than with plants. You just have to put a little bit more thought when it comes to uh, the plant-based sources. 
I will say though, hemp and hemp seeds are a complete protein and one that I said, I put the wrong emphasis there. They are a complete protein and are, are one of my favorites. Um, an interesting story, my grandma who was dealing with fatigue and low energy, she just made one change to her diet. Her cere- her morning cereal was really, really low in protein. Uh, so she added two tablespoons of hemp seeds years ago to her morning cereal. And that change alone, that one tweak improved her energy and her strength noticeably. And she still does that to this day. So I will say hemp seeds are a great way to get some a plant-based protein, but also if you have seniors in the family, they don't taste like much. They have a kind of an, uh, a really lovely taste, I think, but you can just add it to their toast or their cereal or their oatmeal or even blend it in a smoothie. And it's a really wonderful way to get some protein in, but also to get some wonderful omega-369 fatty acids. And I don't want you to get overwhelmed by the number I just said, you know, the the 0.8 to 1 grams. Uh, It's not that you necessarily have to calculate it. It's just maybe making more of a conscious effort that every single meal you have a protein source. And next up, I'm going to go over five tips to increase protein. Well, I'm going to do that right now. So here are five tips to increase protein. Tip number one, protein load your day. A cool, you know, clinical trick or practice to support someone's blood sugar is by incorporating 30 grams of protein within uh, 30 minutes of waking. And the reason I say protein load your day is because most of us have the meal with the least amount of protein in our mornings. Breakfast typically has the lowest protein content of the meal. So by making the shift to protein load your day, you might naturally boost your protein intake by 30 or 50 grams more so than you're, you're doing now. Uh, you can do this by, of course, doing something like uh, a protein shake. You can do this by having some eggs or a really interesting trick that works for some people is just make an extra portion of your dinner and have that as your first meal. It, it'll, it'll be a savory breakfast, which is actually a good thing rather than a sweet breakfast. Uh, it's a little bit of an adjustment, especially if you are used to that sweet breakfast. But typically, it's an easy way that you can increase your protein and not have to make an extra meal because you're just having extra leftovers. And dinner tends to be the highest protein meal of the day for most people. Tip number two, increase portion sizes of proteins you're already eating. So if you are normally a one to have, you know, a palm size piece of fish, maybe increase to two palm sizes or even by a third, increasing the size of whatever protein you're eating per meal is a really great way to start. Tip number three, choose higher protein alternatives for foods. So here, for example, if you're one to have regular yogurt, switch to Greek yogurt, which is much higher in protein. If you are one to have regular pasta, switching to lentil pasta can be a great way to increase your protein intake and increase your fiber intake. Uh, Quinoa instead of rice, those kind of things. Those substitutions can add anywhere from 10 to 20 grams of extra protein per meal. Tip number four, eat protein before carbs when they're on your plate together. I've talked about eating fiber first. If you can, if you're you're curious about feeling more satiated, let's say you have broccoli, piece of chicken, and pasta. Eating the broccoli first and then the chicken and then the pasta can be a, a great way to support post-meal blood sugar, but also just to support your satiety rather than eating the carbs first. I find that people who have trouble getting protein, they just don't have the appetite for protein. They're normally eating protein last or second to last. So by having it in the beginning, either before fiber or after fiber, before the carbs is the key, it's a great way to actually be hungry for the protein, enjoy it before moving on to the carbs. And I know it sounds silly, 
But oh my gosh, this one shift, eating your protein first, when you're hungry, eat protein, can be a really easy way to get into the habit of enjoying protein and also getting more of it. And tip number five for increasing your protein is add protein to your liquids. So this is where things like protein powders or collagen to your morning coffee can be a useful tool. The one thing about collagen though, in terms of protein powders, people ask me if they can do collagen instead of a protein powder. Collagen on its own is actually an incomplete protein. It is low in tryptophan. So if you want to use it as your protein powder, you just want to get one co- a collagen that has added tryptophan in it. There's a company called Progressive here in Canada that makes a collagen called Complete Collagen that has this to it. But either way, what I the reason I like protein shakes is it's an easy way to increase protein without feeling like you're eating nonstop. It's a great way to easily in one go get 30 grams of protein. So let's kind of break down quickly the options. If you tolerate dairy, whey protein is the gold standard. It's a great way to increase your protein intake, support muscle growth and lean tissue repair. And it's one of the easiest to use and mix with whey protein powders taste the best. (laughs) If you've ever tried them, I, I can't do it myself. I get eczema, but they are easily added to smoothies or They're so easily mixed that you can add it to the milk that you use to pour on your cereal. Another useful tool if you have a senior in the family. If you are going the whey route, I would recommend buying New Zealand whey protein because it's considered to be the cleanest source in the world. It's grass-fed and pasture-raised. If you are going the vegan protein route, which is what I normally go for, I normally recommend fermented vegan protein powders, which are easier to digest. You can think of fermenting as breaking down. It makes food more bioavailable and easier on the gut. A lot of times when people go the vegan protein route, they just get annoyed because they get so incredibly gassy. So choosing fermented protein powders are the way to go. Some of my favorites are progressive. Like I mentioned, they make one called harmonized fermented vegan protein. Genuine Health makes one called fermented organic vegan protein. And there's a new company I just learned about called Beyond Yourself. That's pretty decent as well. So I always say whole food first, getting getting whole like non-processed ways of protein, whether that's plants or animal-based is the way to go. Second to that is protein powders, especially if you are having a hard time meeting your protein goals and it just feels like a lot of work. Adding a protein to a liquid can be an easy little workaround. And that's how it means it is time for today's feel good thing, which are little weird things that make us feel good that we spotlight in this show so we can train our brains to start seeking out the good more often because they are so freaking good at finding the bad. Today's feel good thing is on brand in terms of protein and what I just talked about with protein powders, and that is finding a protein powder that you actually like, because I'll be honest, it can be a bit of a trial and error going through this. Some people find they don't like vegan ones. Some people love them. Some people like fermented over non-fermented. Some people like regular over non-fermented. Some people don't like stevia. So they search for ones that have natural sweeteners or no sweeteners at all. But once you find one, and I guarantee you will, because everyone does, it will be a very nice, wonderful addition that'll have you increasing your protein. And when you increase your protein, you just feel good. So here's hoping you find one that works for you. All right. So the final piece of the protein puzzle that I want to address quickly is taking steps to ensure you are actually digesting the protein you are eating. I'm going to address digestion in a different episode to come, but you want to ensure that you have that digestive fire, that stomach acid production needed to properly break down and absorb the protein. Because if you're increasing your protein, but you're not absorbing it, that's not going to do much good for you. So some steps to include, some very baseline level steps include eating in a calm state, 
and you can do this by taking a few deep breaths before you eat. I know that it's easy to roll your eyes at this concept, but from a biological, physiological, fundamental level, by taking steps to calm your system, you switch your body from that fight or flight state to the rest and digest state. And you cannot digest properly when you are in fight or flight and stressed out. So calm your system down and you go a long way to properly absorbing and digesting the food that you are eating. Another option is taking digestive bitters, stimulating your fire before you eat, or something like apple cider vinegar. The next step, another step, is taking uh, enzymes that contain betaine hydrochloride, which is stomach acid, but please only do that under the supervision of a healthcare provider. At the minimum though, eat in a calm state and you will help to boost your ability to digest the protein that you eat. All right, that was a very quick rundown, but it gets a lot of important pieces out there. Like I said, feel free to share this episode to someone who might find it useful. And as always, I appreciate you taking the time to listen to the show. Your support means more than you think. I hope you have a wonderful day ahead. Stay strong. You got this. And I will see you next time on Feel Goodery. And now for the legal stuff. The information provided in this podcast is for informational purposes only and is not a substitute for professional medical advice. Please always consult with your healthcare provider.